Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, welcome into the latest special emergency-ish edition of Hear That Podcast. Growl and Paul Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here with you. It's just kind of been a busy week of small news. None of, I, I don't know if any of them are specifically, you know, sound the alarm worthy, uh, but the collective of this week is alarm, alarm enough. To, uh, to make sure that we come back and address a lot of stuff that popped off this week. Yeah, I mean, as soon as we wrapped the earlier pod this week, they signed Quentin Spain. So that, that was pretty newsworthy. And then everything since, as you said, has been not huge moves, but there's been enough to, to warrant this, this catch-up here. With It's kind of what we expected. This is what you the second week of free agency is, is kind of filling in the gaps, and that's what they've done this week. Yeah, and you know, they're one of they're probably one of the more aggressive teams because they have a little bit of coin laying around and in ways that they kind of are accessing more, which we're going to talk about the Giovanni Bernard situation here uh in a minute. Um I'm going to run down the news of what happened. You know, from my seat, you know, we talk about money left. People ask how much do they have left? Well, technically, you know, they have around 20 $25 million left, depending, I guess, we'll see what happens with the Giovanni Bernard deal it, via spot track actual cap space. But the physical amount left to spend, which, which, as we all know, those that listen to this, we know that is a different number to what that looks like for them. You know, five to ten, five to seven million, probably so, somewhere, somewhere in that range, probably left to try to check off a few more boxes so no i do not think that they're done yet that's kind of about where it sits as far as what they did this week quentin spain we mentioned the good news being we talked a lot about that on the podcast and why that was appeared to be the right move um instead of going the trey turner direction uh last week so you can go back to that pod for a little bit more information on that ricardo allen a safety from atlanta who visited um he visited before free agency really started. He, he'll lock in as that backup third, fourth safety in a room that will now comprise of Jesse Bates, Von Bell, Ricardo Allen, and Brandon Wilson, who also resigned uh, at the beginning of free agency. Um, Eli Apple has joined the cornerback room. Uh, another guy from the Saints. Maybe we can just get Cat Terrell to be half Bengals, <laughs> half Saints rider at some point with the way they continue to uh, look in that area. He barely played for Carolina last year uh, injury, so he joins a, a much different-looking, deeper cornerback room. Uh, Samaj P. Ryan move was made official. We knew that was going to happen, uh, but they officially announced that. And... Defensive end edge from Washington football team Ryan Kerrigan uh, 
you know, vet piece that would come in as a rotational guy, came in, made a visit, left, no deal yet uh, to speak of. That was sort of the news. Um, let's get to those a little more in depth in a bit. Let's start with Giovanni Bernard, though, Jay. Um, so the the Tom Pelissero report that surfaces that multiple teams have inquired with the Bengals, and there's been talks about a trade and that understanding that potentially a release could be in play if no, no deal is found. We've seen this happen across the league. You you have guy is put out there as being available for trade. No trade occurs. You know, being shopped. Next thing you know, release occurs and the, the team moves on because, you know, they're just trying to find some way to drum up a trade before potentially having to let a guy go to actually get something back and for the player to potentially collect their full salary, knowing they probably wouldn't make as much in this market. You know, is that what's happening with Geo? Yes and no. I mean, we, we, we've talked about this before. Um, with Geo, I go back to our Cap Casualty podcast when we kind of ticked through all of those, and we mentioned Geo. Where in any other world, where you take the human out of this, you put twenty nine year old change of pace running back that would save you four point one million dollars when you've already paid a ton of money to your workhorse Joe Mixon. Uh, you know. Makes no sense, none, and and nobody would those that fact pattern would not have any outcome anywhere other than release. Um, that's just part of it. it, particularly a change of pace guy that had that had a down year last year. You know, as far as by efficiency numbers by his standards, no doubt. Um, but the person makes a difference here, right, Jay? I mean the the. The person that Geo is and the way he's viewed and respected and appreciated for his leadership inside of the building does make a difference in the fact that we're still sitting here and that wasn't a move that happened a month ago. Yeah, I, I wonder how Geo or players in general take the, the request. I mean – if there's a request to take a pay cut, is, is that viewed as a slap or is that viewed as, hey, they still want me here just at a, a less cost? I, it, it feels like he, he everything he said last year in support of Zach, in support of everything, that he likes it here, he wants to stay here. So you would think that that that, that is kind of a, a nod to him that they're 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 willing to work um and not just outright release him and, and send him out. If they trade him, I don't know if how that would work out where half to, the Bengals pay half, the new team pays half, and he gets his whole salary, how that type of situation would work. But it is – you saw what they did with you know just outright releases of guys like Gino and Bobby. And it this is where this is – it's a brutal business. that Everything that Gio has meant to this team, um, and now he's in this position – uh, it, it's it's not the guy that you you want to part ways with with the way he stepped up and took a role on special teams last year and just everything he's meant to that locker room. I, I think everybody would like to see him stay here. Just that his salary, which we've talked about, is it's a little too high for a number two back. 
Yeah, and arguably not a number two. Remember that? I mean, they moved they moved in different directions with Samaje, yeah, and even Travion at one point uh, last year. Um, with, with Mixon down, looking to get a little bit more explosiveness and efficiency out of the game. I mean, he's. I think the recognition is that you're a change of pace guy. You're a you're a third down guy, and you know you you wonder something like this: what the role would even be um, if he was brought back? You know, whether at a, whether let go and comes back at a cheaper price or do, does a, a cheaper restructure pay cut type thing, um, whatever that would look like, you know, in order to keep him here. You know, I think the the, the bottom line is there's a respect in the building for Gio to give him every opportunity to stay here. If Gio, if this is, you know, if Gio gets this news and, and this is the way it goes and he's kind of offended by it and wants to go somewhere else, so be it. You know, I, I think everyone would understand that. And, and Lord knows we've seen the Marv vets, you know, mass exodus occur. It, he would fall right in line with everybody that we've seen that uh, had a lot of fans in this city go out the door from back to Andy Dalton, Dalton Green. I mean, everybody, everybody that was part of that group is basically going to be gone. Geo's kind of the last man standing. He's the he's the fresh prince in the last episode. Gif right standing there <laughs> on the carpet by himself. Him, him and Clark Harris and Kevin Huber really, yeah. but as far as non specialists, so. Where this ends is hard exactly to say, you know, no one's going to trade for Gio. I, I know there's the idea that multiple teams, I mean, that no no one's taking on $4 million for Giovanni Bernard at this point. Again, it goes back to the bare numbers. He His value is here. His value is because of who he is in this locker room. Now, and teams know he's probably just going to hit the open market anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it probably, inevitably, probably comes down to does... It, it, does Gio want to stay in Cincinnati at a lower number, which he could probably find a way to work out, or does he want to go hit the open market and just go elsewhere? It would probably be about the same number. I mean, I think that's likely, you know, the decision that's on his plate right now, and that they'll have to all figure out uh, as it unfolds. I don't know that there is a set timeline on this, because um, I, you know, they they know what that number would end up being the Bengals be willing to do. So that money is kind of already accounted for, you know, they're already spending it and accounting for that being a part of what they have. And so, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see how it ends either way. If Gio leaves, um, you, you lose some leadership, but as we've said, I, I think every single mock draft and draft discussion we have done about running back, we've said top of, Top of day three feels like a, a running back coming in to to basically take the spot of where where Geo has been. That has felt like the move uh, that was on the table, and and that would be even more so. That would that would kind of jump up a, a little extra level now. Yeah, because there was there was never an expectation Geo would be here next year. So you're always looking ahead, and we, we were talking third, fourth, fifth round for a running back. We, we talk. I, I'm not sure. I'm kind of going off the top of my head here. I don't know what Miami's running back situation is as far as depth. But we talk all the time about guys taking hometown discounts, and I don't know how much that actually comes into play. I think it would with Geo. I think if he was released and he hit the open market, he would. He, Miami is a place he would go and play for less than than other places, just because that's yeah. Because his, his dad, dad doesn't go see him except down there, right? His dad doesn't travel. Um, he lives down there. That's where Geo grew up. Um, 
and it's a team on the rise. I, I think that would be if you're wagering odds on where he lands if he if he leaves the Bengals, that would be the uh, leader in the clubhouse for sure. Yeah, and honestly, off the top of my head, not super aware of the Dolphins running yeah. back room situation uh, to say whether that would be realistic or not. But uh, yeah, you're absolutely right, Jay. To me. I mean, you never know. Like guys have different reasons and different things, and maybe a team loves Geo's skill set still and and thinks they can they that he's underutilized and and would be willing to pay him more, and he goes there. But to me, either stay here or or see if Miami's willing to bring him in and try to latch on there are kind of the maybe the only two. But well, you know, you never know. You know, you never know how things will will break. I'm always I'm always surprised when guys hit the open market how different teams value different players. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Most interesting move this week of the ones we mentioned earlier, Jay, for you. I think Eli Apple. Um, he's yeah. just the, the first ground pedigree. He's never really lived up to it. Um, not, not quite is the same as, you know, William Jackson maybe did, maybe didn't. Eli has had a, a much more dubious career. When you said on Tuesday, what position outside of the main three could we see them targeting, uh, also this week? I cornerback never crossed my mind. I figured they were done at cornerback. Um, but again, it's, it's one of those things you mentioned it. It's maybe it's, they don't have a lot of faith in, in Darius Phillips. Maybe it's the fact that you can get a first round guy on a, a really reasonable deal. Um, but that one was the one that kind of figured they would be looking for a safety. And we knew, and I mentioned edge. So the Kerrigan visit didn't surprise me at all, but the, the Eli Apple one really, really surprised me. When it, when it first had, I was literally on the radio with Mo doing our Tuesday hour when it happened. And so I kind of in the moment I had to kind of have a reaction and my gut reaction was like, man, Darius Phillips has to just be like <laughs> shaking his head at this point. Like, come on, man. 
this does end up probably being a more glorified version of LaShawn Sims. But the problem with that is LaShawn Sims started nine games last year, including four over a healthy Darius Phillips. So again, it, it, not that there isn't value in having five corners that you feel like you can put out there. Um, it, you know, you're just saying like, hey, Darius, yeah, I, I don't, mm, I don't know. This isn't going to be, we're not going to use a draft pick on a corner. At this point, the way this free agency has gone, how many defensive players are there even going to draft? Right. Like, especially if there's another second wave, which I think if you're looking at the second wave stuff, I mean, I don't think they're done on the defensive line at all. Mm -hmm. And if you see more of those guys come off, you can fill, have filled almost all the holes you know, where you're almost, you can almost go all the way offense in this draft. It certainly feels like that's direction, the direction that this thing is headed. Um, a guy like Apple is even more proof of that, where you're not even going to drop a fifth-round pick in there to play underneath Darius Phillips or a sixth-round. No, maybe not. You know, If you can plug in a guy like Apple... And Phillips has a lot to play for, and he can go out and play his way into time. But, you know, they, they, they didn't believe in him to put him in as a starter. They signed the other two guys to go alongside Trey Wayne. So he's sitting there as the fourth guy. And now you bring in a high-profile guy to be on his heels, um, you know, who has a relationship, pre-existing relationship with Luana Rumo uh, from the Giants, for, with Von Bell from the Saints. And that's fine. Like, he's just a guy. He didn't, they didn't sign him for a ton of money or whatever. But, you know, if you're Darius... Darius has played well, and I just feel like they just refuse to give him credit for that ever. Um, and maybe he can work his way up and, and be a valuable player for them. But it's the same reason why we shook our head as why is LaShawn Sims playing over this dude all year last year. Um, I kind of shake my head a little bit and wonder, will Eli Apple at some point be playing over this guy? That's why I question it. Not because I think Eli Apple was there to take Darius Phillips' spot necessarily, but it's like, is this going to happen again? Feels like it. And, and maybe that's the plan is look, they just want to let Darius just focus solely on punt return and, yeah. and, and be that guy and then be a depth guy uh, at corner. But yeah, it is. <laughs> you talk all the time and you even tweeted this about, you know, you never really know what a guy's motives are for tweeting certain things. But when, when Darius tweeted the gif <laughs> of LeBron getting up and walking away, it was pretty clear uh, that was in direct relation to the Eli Apple signing. Yeah, those things are always video games or lyrics, except, <laughs> except in that case. <laughs> right after it happened, you get the uh, roll eyes, stand up, walk away. Uh, you know, yeah, probably connected to that. Um, let's to to me. I mean, I think he here's here's why the Kerrigan visit. The fact that they're still pursuing that level, I think, is on par with with kind of what we'd been hearing, um, not getting a deal. But Ryan Kerrigan is, he may be older, um, but he still, Washington still has interest in bringing him back. So he has, you know, or you're not, I don't know about bidding wars are the right thing, but you're, you're not going to get him at some, you know, bare minimum price. He's a decent high profile guy to be a rotational player. You know, they, they clearly do not feel comfortable with the defensive line, nor should they. I think it was the sign of, look, these names that you see at the top of the defense, remaining defensive line list uh, that are out there um, are the ones that they're interested in, are in play, and that they're willing to pay for. 
And so that that's a big part of this, whether we're talking about Ryan Kerrigan or whether we're talking about Jarrell Casey, who we've mentioned a million times from Denver, who's still out there. Uh, I doubt that Geno Atkins would want to come back here on a cheaper deal. You never know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, these are the names that are up there. Uh, you know, you're not going to see a guy like Clowney or whatever, but, you know, I think the right type of guy. There's still a number of edge rushers that you you could probably make a decent argument for liking in that rotational role. Yeah, Alden Smith, Justin Houston. Yeah. Um, there, there are quality guys out there. And that's the thing. The, the Kerrigan, I saw a report out of Washington where he wants to be a starter. So that kind of felt like an odd fit with the Bengals for him to visit here because he's not going to come in here and be a starter. But going back to your point about maybe – are they even going to draft anybody, even if they on defense, even if they sign one of these guys, one of these higher profile edge rushers? I, I still think third or fourth round, given what that that edge rushing class is this year and how even adding another piece, they're still going to be kind of thin there that I still think that that's going to be pretty high on their priority of getting a, a an edge guy, maybe end of day two, start of day three. But you're right. It, it could be. One of the most lopsided drafts in Bengals history as far as offense and defense. Yeah, it's, it's certainly turning out that way, especially if we see them tick off a couple more defensive line boxes like we think they might. Um, Ricardo Allen at safety. I don't even know when he first visited if we discussed it much on the podcast, but I love. I really like this signing. Um for a couple of reasons. One, obviously he knows he's not going to start. He's not coming in thinking he's a starter. No one would uh, in front of Bates and Bell. He is – there's a great story by Jason Butt yeah. uh, who covered the Falcons for us about Ricardo Allen, sort of the guy and how he's sort of this like very – and he and Ricardo Allen did a great Players' Tribune piece as well um, about his mentality uh, after getting cut on hard knocks as a fifth-round pick. Uh, and how it grew, and he earned himself a deal and everything else and, and made a lot lot of fans in the Falcons franchise as a, this cerebral love of the game, wants to be a coach, like wants to be an offensive coordinator, and he was begging Dan Quinn to go sit in on quarterbacks meetings for during the year when he hurt his Achilles because he wants to understand that side of the ball more because he feels like he has an understanding of the defensive side of the ball. He loves the idea of chess and playing chess on the field. And that's... You know, a guy with experience that has played a lot, that is loves ball like this, cerebral player, is exactly the type of guy you want in that role. As the backup who can come in and play for you, never going to be too big, understands it. Maybe he's losing a little bit of his physical skills as he gets older, but... You know, he's a mental player anyway, so you can still give you some some good snaps for sure. I think it's the most well-constituted safety room in football. And what I mean by that is every you love the role of every single. They all have very f- specific roles. Jesse Bates, all everything, maybe best safety in football, deep safety. Von Bell, great aggressive playmaker, great in the box, can do coverage just fine. They Bell and Bates play off each other well. Ricardo Allen is a great third guy to have with experience, cerebral guy, team player, you know, great in the locker room, all that stuff. Brandon Wilson is arguably the best kick returner in football Mm -hmm. who also can play safety for you. To have roles and get the most out of a position group, I love the safety room at this point. 
And Andy mentioned, I mean, Von Bell's leadership, just a, an ultimate leader. And it seems like Ricardo Allen is that type of guy with, with how smart he is and how much he knows football. We know Jesse Bates is. He came in here, um, kind of knew his role as a young guy, but you could tell he was confident. He was ready to take his, take control. I'm, I was a little surprised he didn't get a captain C last year, but I think a lot of that had to do with Von Bell coming in. But you, you've got those guys and we've talked about how, discombobulated, I guess you could say, that the cornerback group could be with all these new pieces in place. So if you have that kind of solid aspect behind them at safety, that it's a big deal. Um, and I, I love the, the Ricardo Allen thing. You After you tweeted that, I read Jason Butt's story. It's a really good story. You guys should read it. People say all the time when they get hurt, play, these players say when they get hurt, the worst part of it is, is not the gruelingness of, of rehab. It's it's not feeling like you're a part of the team. They're just walking around. They're just guys in the locker room. Everybody else is doing the day-to-day stuff, and you just feel like an outsider. And for him to sit in on those quarterback meetings and, and really try to stay a part of the team says something about the makeup of that guy. Ricardo Allen, multiple-time captain for the Falcons, mm-hmm. including last year. Um, keep that in mind. Again, more of these captain types, um, even on the NFL level, showing up uh, at this point. You know, clearly, again, that objective has never been hidden or a secret uh, in in the Bengals area. What they're looking for. Look, it's um, it's out with the old, in with the new, and we can have our opinions. Uh, whether it's for the better or for worse, a lot of what has happened in the turnover of the roster, but. If you were here under Marv and you weren't a Zach Taylor guy, deuces. Yep. <laughs> like there is just not a lot of love for anybody that was here. There are uh, there are a few, you know, obvious exceptions that are out there, you know, the most high profile. And that does happen on most teams, but it has felt aggressive uh and particularly this offseason, obviously, as a lot of the bigger names even have all just kind of been pushed out the door, Geo being the latest. But, um, you know, they have their type. They want their guys. They want to feel like they're making their team. And obviously it's apparent what they thought about those that were here uh, before they got here. We'll see how it plays out. Big year next year. That's all there is to it. And every turn of this offseason and last season, it all signs point to – you better win this year. <laughs> and fast. Because, man, you know, a lot of these guys are on multi-year contracts and you're trying to build this team around your guys. You know, if you if, if you don't win, you're now lo- not just looking at blowing up the staff, but blowing up all these people they've tried to bring in and create this thing. And what a mess that would be. Man, there's a lot of pressure on winning this year. Just a pressure cooker. But, hey, that should make you happy, right? (laughs) (laughs) So I hope everyone's going to have a good weekend. Uh, We'll be back on Tuesday. I'm going to do what in the business they they like to call a tease. It's not in the business. People call it tease everywhere. But I have finally formed my specific opinion on the Bengals draft strategy at number five. And and what it – because my mock draft, my seven-round mock draft is coming out Monday – uh, my first, I guess, official only mock draft. My first full thing. I kind of did one in the roster projection, and and you know we've had to do one with the the beat writer mock draft. My my opinion is fully formed on two things, and they're different of what I would do and what the Bengals are going to do, in my opinion. Uh, and so, how's that? 
We'll discuss that Tuesday, and you can read about it in the mock draft. And both of them have huge ripples uh, down the line of the draft and and the future. So we'll talk about that. Um, uh, Everybody sending questions uh, to our request, the subscriber mailbag. And half of them were about the offensive line, so I just did a whole mailbag just on offensive line because everybody wanted to know about everything O-line, so that's up if you want to go there on the site. Our subscription deal is still going on, $1 per month for the first six months. As good a deal as you're going to get, so uh, just go to the, that link, uh, which is on, on Twitter, at Paul Denner Jr., uh, at Jay Morrison, ATH. You can go to any of our links and, and subscribe there. Um, so we've got that stuff coming out next week and on and we'll also continue we'll be diving a little more full into the draft now at this point so we've got some big stuff planned there all right we're gonna get out hope everybody uh has enjoyed our little uh end of week recap and uh we'll be back next tuesday look forward to talking to you then on here that podcast ground have a good one everybody Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.